Welcome back to Local News Live. We are now going to take you to an interview. I'm speaking with Lauren Bonds. She is the executive director and the legal director of the National Police Accountability Project. And she's talking to me about how effective policies can help reduce incidents of police brutality. The National Police Accountability Project is a national nonprofit that was started about 20 years ago. And our focus really is on holding police officers and correction officers accountable to professional and constitutional standards. We have 600 uh, attorney members who practice almost exclusively civil rights law across the country. Um, and so a lot of our work focuses on supporting them as they represent victims of police violence. Uh, we also do legislative advocacy. We do quite a bit of work in the courts through uh, submitting amicus briefs and through uh, litigation that we partner uh, with our members in. So that's NPAP in a nutshell. Um, and one another question I, that I have for you is just um, in saying that you're advocates of, um, of just kind of advocating for public police policies, and I want to make sure I'm saying this right, what have you identified? There's so many things, there are so many problems, it's, you know, very hard to pinpoint one, but I would say one pretty uniform problem that really goes to the heart of MPAP's mission is that there's a lack of accountability when police officers or correction officers um, break the law. So it's not only hard to hold them accountable in the courts, like through civil rights actions, which is what our members focus on doing. It's also very hard for their employers in the community to hold them responsible through different kinds of employment consequences, like discipline, termination, um, and even state-level agencies have a hard time decertifying a police officer or making it making it so they're unable to, um, you know, continue to be a member of the profession. So I would say that that lack of accountability across the board, more so than any individual policing practice we could change, is is the number one reform that we prioritize. And it's really interesting that you would say that because one thing that I was going to ask you about is the situation where an ex-Cleveland um, police officer, um, is he got a job working for a Pennsylvania law enforcement agency. Now, we do know that he has since resigned. That is the, that's the latest news, but why is it so do you think it's easy or do you think it's prevalent that even though there might be a fatal incident, it's still easy for an officer to find a job in another state or another district? Yeah, I, we, we've seen a lot of really unfortunate examples of that where police officers can in someone's life and be able to get another job at a di different department in the same state or maybe they have to move states. but. Um, it really goes to the lack of minimum standards that so many uh, states have in, in who can be a police officer. It's a very unregulated profession uh, compared to a lot of other professions that hold so much power over the public. So um, in Pennsylvania, for example, it's not you know a disqualifier to have a significant uh, civil rights violation on your record. Um, you really have to have a criminal offense to be disqualified from being a police officer in Pennsylvania. Um, and so, so much of this is up to the discretion of individual police departments. And even sometimes there, it's very hard to get access to um, former employment records. Obviously, uh, this, in this particular incidence, instance, um, I, I'm sure that they were aware of his background or at least uh, his connection to the Tamir Rice murder. Uh, but it, it, with other police officers with less high profile um, you know, incidents in their past, those might be harder to uncover in some situations. So with that being said, are there any states that you've identified that have 
maybe the weakest standards? I know you talked about Pennsylvania. Are there any other states that you find um, have very, very low requirements for being a police officer? Yeah, I would say, you know, unfortunately, uh, if I if you looked at a state map and kind of, you know, rank them or a national map and rank them, I would say most states probably have um, pretty low standards. Usually it's kind of, you know, minimum requirements are being able to pass a psychological fitness test, having a certain uh, amount of high school education under your belt, um, and then just, you know, going through uh, uh, some minimum training. So I would say it's pretty common that most states have, have very low standards. Very few have high standards. As a minority, there are discussions, I think, within those circles about what you do when you're pulled over by a police officer. You do this, you don't do this. You say that, you don't say that. Um, and, you know, along that wavelength, what would you recommend to a citizen who has concerns about being a victim of police brutality? Yeah, and I don't want to be too um, fatalistic, but I think, you know, we, you see so many examples of people doing everything right and they still get shot. I mean, I I'm thinking back to Philando Castile, you know, situations where there wasn't, you didn't run from the police, you didn't talk back to the police, and it still escalated to a police murder. And so I think it's, it's, I would feel almost irresponsible to say, you know, you do X, Y, and Z, and you'll get out of this situation safe, because I think we've seen far too many examples of um, it not mattering what you do. Um, but, you know, I think <laughs> that's, that's unfortunately uh, my my very uh, realistic advice is that you know you can do everything right and it can still you know escalate to a situation where there's brutality. Um, that being said, you know, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't even say you know sometimes your your chances of success might be better if you um, follow all commands, but I, I can't say with any certainty that that is gonna guarantee your safety, unfortunately. I really appreciate your transparency and just answering that question. But if you had to pick three policies that if they were ended with, would do more in terms of just ending police brutality. Now, I do know that you talked about um, some cities are kind of eliminating stopping people for certain very, very minor infractions, what else would you add to that? Yeah, so I think that's a really important one. You know, I mentioned accountability, and I think that's, you know, less of a, it can be a municipal level um, policy change, you know, making sure that, uh, you know, police departments, police chiefs, police leadership uh, have more flexibility to discipline police officers when they, when they um, you know, violate people's rights or they have a you know, slew of civilian complaints, making sure that there's a civilian component to that process. Um, but at the national level and the state level, eliminating qualified immunity. So, you know, please have a much higher incentive to uh, engage, can comply with the constitution because um, that's, you know, a real kind of get out of jail free card that they have, unfortunately, um, when it comes to civil liability and financial liability for, um, harming people and violating their rights. And, you know, I think probably the third thing is um, there are different, you know, use of force restrictions that I think can be real game changers. You know, we've seen cities that have eliminated the use of um, canines, for example, uh, cities that have, in order to detain and arrest people, you know, cities that have um, 
cities that have like banned certain very dangerous policing practices, like shooting into a fleeing vehicle, things that have a very high rate of, of harm or death. Uh, th those types of restrictions on use of force can be uh, really meaningful and impactful as well. I know that you're all about police accountability and and I would, you know, no one would argue that accountability matters, but do you think that, have you ever seen incidents that have come before you where you feel that an officer was right in applying the force that they did? Yeah, I think that's that's a tough question. So um, I think, I like there are situations in which, uh, you know, force was justified under the constitution, under the fourth amendment. There are absolutely situations like that that we encounter that our you know members encounter when someone kind of walks into their office um but i think at the end of the i think there's kind of a bigger question of you know what are police there to do kind of what initiated the interaction um that you know kind of raises the question of like why are we using police uh in in certain situations or putting them in situations where you know they're they're using force. But I think there are obviously situations where you know, police officers can can be justified in using force if they're, you know, um, trying to protect the life of somebody else who's in danger um, and from somebody who's armed and there's an imminent threat. There are, are absolutely, you know, situations where um, force is, is constitutionally justified for sure. Well, I appreciate all of your insight that you've shared with us today. Um, you are a wealth of knowledge, truly, and it, we really appreciate that. Before we go, um, is there anything else that you just want to share about the importance of police accountability? Yeah, no, I, I would just say that with a lot of elections happening, uh, both, you know, the, some primaries happening this summer um, and then general elections happening in the fall that, you know, I think it's really important for folks to remember that their elected officials have a lot of control over how, you know, police um, how police are going to operate in their community. Um, and, and usually it's kind of local elected officials, state elected officials. So just really encourage folks to kind of look at different uh, candidates' positions on um, policing and, and make sure that that's something they're considering if, if police violence is an issue that impacts their community. Thank you so much for your time today, Lauren. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. And to hear more about the National Police Accountability Project, you can head over to their website. It is nlp-npap.org.